0: I loved where I was in Z and I was just like right on the very edge of town in this tiny little miner's cottage it was absolutely adorable it was yellow weatherboard and I had just uh basically the neighborhood was just full of stray chickens just wandering around (laughs) and a cute little cat and all these roosters and um, the native hens of Tasmania and there was like a little paddock across the road with Shetland ponies and yeah it was just absolutely picturesque um But yeah, I had to leave.
1: Yeah. And have you been living in the same house here since you've moved
0: here? Yeah, I have. I, again, tried to find somewhere that I could make some noise and wouldn't disturb anyone and vice versa. Yeah, I lost the thread of where we were going with that, but uh, the the, the West Coast.
1: I am Emily Kyle and this is Local. This is a conversation recorded with Queenstown-based musician...
0: Alex Bloom.
1: This episode was recorded in September over a bottle of wine. I feel like we should start from when we met.
0: Sure.
1: Yeah, so we met uh, at a Q Bank gallery show. You brought over some pizza. Possibly. And uh, I knocked over a bottle of very expensive wine, which was.
0: I think I do remember that. Yeah. I, yep.
1: But we had moved to Queenstown uh, around about the same time.
0: Yeah, I think I got here just a couple of months before you did.
1: Yeah, so it was definitely very cool for me to uh, run into you because we were sort of from a similar place. We'd both lived in Northern Rivers for a while and, yeah, we had some stuff in common.
0: Yeah, it was um, good to meet somebody who, again, wasn't from here and into the arts and, you know, like, Young, basically same age, and had was doing had similar stuff going on, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we've been friends for a couple of years, and it's weird to have you here now doing this because usually when we're here, we're drinking and playing games, and uh, this feels very professional. And
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, this, yeah, it's something we've been talking about for a while now, and I it, being here right now is still. Um, well, it still has that awe aspect, which I'm hopefully growing more and more comfortable <laughs> with as the interview goes on.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty surreal when you've got the microphone in front of you, for yep. sure. Um, so you were born in Northern Rivers?
0: No, I was born on the Central Coast. Um, so in I was born in Gosford Hospital, which is uh, like an hour and a half north of Sydney, um, and I grew up in a little town called Wombrill, which was just, you know, 15 minutes north of Gosford, um, and pretty much went um, to primary school during that period, um, you know, from birth to primary school. And then basically my just towards my second last year of primary school, moved out to the country um, into the Riverina.
1: So you're quite familiar with small towns then
0: absolutely i've, I've never really lived in a city I, the biggest place i did live was in uh, lismore when i was going to uni
1: yeah and what um what was your family like when you were growing up
0: um you know fairly all right i guess it was my parents and my sister and that was us we lived in their house together um
1: <laughs> like normal families yeah yeah, su- yeah
0: super um Super nuclear family. Um we just yeah, you know, we did I don't know what normal people do. I don't know what people do. <laughs> um I guess to me everything, you know, it seemed fairly average. We, you know, lived near the beach. Um we had we lived had the bush behind us. Um we ended up getting a dog later on just before we left. Um
1: white picket fence.
0: No picket fence, we're on this like crazy big hill, and so there was like these massive stairs that we had to climb up to actually two sets of massive stairs to climb up to actually get to the front gate.
1: They're so not dissimilar to this house,
0: yeah, but a bigger hill, a Whoa. bigger driveway. It was, it's, it was insane.
1: Did your parents play music?
0: No, oh uh, no. well, I think my mum might have played a bit of recorder and piano when she was a girl, Mm -hmm. but she never took it into her adulthood.
1: When did you start playing?
0: I actually, I brought um, a pair of bongo drums into class today and I realised that there's probably, um, well, it's the oldest instrument I believe I own and started playing on. So I got them when I was a kid, but I guess when I really started playing music was when I got the guitar at probably age 11 or 12. um, I think year seven at school, I started playing guitar.
1: Yeah. Was that something that was offered through the school or outside of school?
0: Um, Basically, we had a private tutor would come into school and during like recess or lunch breaks, we would sort of duck out and have like a little 20 minute half hour lesson with him. Um, And that continued basically throughout most of, my high school, um, life. Eventually he wasn't teaching at the school, but he would teach from home or in a community building. And, yeah, you know, I kept seeing him up until I moved away and went to uni.
1: So it was a bit of a long-term relationship that you had with your teacher.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess, yeah, for all of my high school years, I was seeing um, this one man called Tim who taught me, you know, quite a lot of stuff on the guitar, starting from, you know, easy stuff that I wanted to learn, you know, some simple punk rock riffs and stuff like that. And then actually trying to teach me, you know, like folk scales and blues scales and things like that and all the chords. And, um, yeah, that's sort of my base.
1: And so what what – went on from there you went to uni to study music
0: um yeah yeah so when I graduated high school I went up to the northern rivers and lived in Lismore and went to the university there and studied contemporary music um which yeah it was quite broad I got to learn all about uh music uh history contemporary especially as well as learning about um self-management and music industry as well as the recording industry. and Were Elf. your
1: parents supportive of that? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, I guess they probably were wishing that I would not continue living at the house <laughs> when I finished um, high school and would actually go out and do something or other. So I was quite happy to take the opportunity to get out of my little country town and go and explore and um, try something that I was always passionate about yeah well at least for as far as i can remember
1: yeah um and so now you know you're here and there's a lot that happens in between lismore and here how did you get from you know new south wales northern rivers to the tasmanian west coast
0: okay so it's a big leap yeah it is um i Basically, I finished uni, I had these dreams of what to do with, well, what to do musically with um, any intent of, um, you know, professionalism. And I ended up falling into deciding to try and build my own little home studio and record um, some acoustic folk stuff by myself. And so I thought I would go down to Zian of all places um, because it was extremely affordable I found out (laughs) and I was looking for somewhere quite isolated I'd always wanted to live in Tasmania so I thought I'd give it a go
1: I remember you telling me that you and I could be wrong but that you googled some of the cheapest places to live in Australia
0: yeah I definitely (laughs) was looking for somewhere affordable to um pull it off as well as isolated so Xeon really fit all of that I think it it was number one, so.
1: What's the interest in being isolated? Is that because you have grown up in small towns or?
0: I figured it would be somewhere where I could make noise. I wouldn't be disturbing anyone. Plus, there would be very little disturbances from anyone else. And um, I would have the time, you know, less interruptions, less distractions. I would be out there in that um, intimate, lonely place just to work on my craft. And, um, yeah, that was, that was really the core idea. That was the dream. Yeah. The dream. But what
1: actually happened?
0: What actually happened was I got there. I started, um, you know, working towards this goal. I, um, started, you know, practicing, researching, starting, I think I started buying up gear when I was sleeping there, but the end um, result was a, Um, researching drill looking for tin um, ended up parking across the road from me and was going for five days a week during work hours um, drilling basically which is not the kind of conditions you want when you are trying to find peace and (laughs) uh, work on recording an album so yeah um, I had to move because it was I was getting migraines and um, I was coming over here to Queenstown most weekends anyway um, because there was, you know, they have a few more facilities here. I started to get to know some people here, so I ended up moving here and I've been basically where I am since then.
1: And how does Queenstown sort of stack up in relation to your experience in Zian? Um, I mean, Zian's very different to here, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I loved where I was in Zian. I was just like right on the very edge of town in this tiny little miner's cottage it was absolutely adorable. It was yellow weatherboard and I had just uh, basically the neighbourhood was just full of stray chickens just wandering around <laughs> and the cute little cat and all these roosters and um, the native hens of Tasmania. And there was like a little paddock across the road with Shetland ponies and, uh, yeah, it was, it was just absolutely picturesque. Um, but, yeah, I, I had to leave.
1: Yeah. And have you been living in the same house here since you've moved here?
0: Yeah, I have. I, again, tried to find somewhere that I could make some noise and wouldn't disturb anyone and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, And I ended up finding where I am now, and I've got a beautiful view of Mount Owen um, just off the edge of town, Um, the bush behind me again, so no disturbances (laughs) there, Um, a big vacant block in front of me, a vacant block to the side of me, and a lovely neighbour. So I, I think I've got it pretty good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful spot. So really I'd like to know what kind of music are you passionate about making?
0: I love all styles, but I really started to get into the concept of um, anthropological thought um, regarding my music. And I, so I started really digging into um, the roots of Australian music um, in various forms, um, starting um, with, well, looking at everything, but the earliest forms of uh, traditional indigenous music, as well as the earliest forms of, our, um, of settlers.
1: Yeah.
0: And basically trying to learn aspects from both of those to help guide what I was doing, as well as exploring all Australian music throughout history, as well as um, looking at different, um, basically different styles throughout the entire world and throughout all all of history, trying to um, help educate my process as well as guide because I do I would love to um be able to explore all all um, musical bases around the world. I I just I I love the um, world cultures of music throughout time um, and using different technologies and different uh, approaches with uh, different ensemble setups, different instrumentations, different technologies. um.
1: It sounds like you're really trying to get to the root of it, get to the beginning of sound.
0: Um, Yeah, I I guess something, yeah, in – yeah, there's so many <laughs> different aspects to what I want to achieve or what I want to dabble in. I, I guess I find uh, a lot of it very interesting. As much as um, starting with a familiar base, I guess to get try and get something I think I should know by now, right? And then <laughs> and then um, go from there and in every possible direction. Um, with some sort of logical approach,
1: so you're trying to mix a tradition with contemporary music. Uh
0: yeah, yeah. Basically, um, as as a lot of people do, um, they learn from from the past and present and find their own ground, find their own footing in that space, and go with that. And I hopefully um, won't get washed away by um, trying to take that step.
1: You know, what I can't stop thinking about is when I was a little girl, I think the first instrument that I ever played were those uh, beautifully polished sticks and all of the children sit in the circle and you've got the sticks and the triangle and you're there just trying to make a, a basic Beat.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, thank I think learning from rhythm is one of the most. Co- it's the er, one of the earliest concept, or if not the earliest concept of music. Um, I guess learning, yeah, basic percussion and vocalizations. Um, you know, are singing and clapping and um, stomping our feet or banging sticks or rocks together um it's extremely primal in feeling and i think it's something that kids can definitely relate to um and will grasp quite easily um and then moving basically moving on from there and um expanding on your knowledge of the different approaches to music and the different textures and layers and um concepts
1: yeah i mean you were talking about the bongos being your first instrument, but now whenever whenever I walk into your home, it just feels like the walls are lined with all kinds of instruments and, you know, most of them I couldn't even remember the names of or know the names of. You've really gone from something basic um, or quote unquote basic and primal and expanded that into a variety of, um, I guess instrument understanding, instrument experimentation.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. I I try, I try to learn a bit from um, wherever I visit or um, and and trying to learn a, a lot of different instruments. I guess I like I've had my head, Um, directed at the moment towards learning about early um, Australian music. So I've been trying to take up a lot of the instruments that the people were playing in those times. So I've been trying to learn some of Australia's Indigenous instruments, um, the didgeridoo and clapsticks, um, as well as uh, settler instruments, um, the accordions and the violins and the banjos. And um, I've been trying trying to a to grasp um, the fundamental aspects and the core foundations of where to go from there, basically.
1: I remember when I was small uh, there being um, a story about uh, women not being allowed to play the didgeridoo, didgeridoo, uh, that it was um, something that was specifically for men and I, I don't know, does that rule also apply to white folks? Or?
0: Um, it really, it's, it's um, debatable depending on the person you speak to. I think everyone um, has a different idea on that subject, although in certain ceremonies I do believe... Um,
1: is it, d- yeah, is it dependent on um, the music that you're making with the instrument?
0: I think it's a uh, lot to do with the setting. Mm-hmm. Um, there are obviously special um, rituals that are, do involve the instrument that are not um, that are are really directed to be played um, by certain people for those purposes and um, but ap- apart from for playing for your own pleasure, I think a lot of um, people these days elders and past uh, and present um, and future would, Often say that um, it is okay for everyone to play um, for their own joy.
1: I, mean, I suppose I, you know, I should really uh, be asking the creators of the didgeridoo. Uh, but it is—it can feel a little bit like a complex um, topic of conversation uh, because it's—it's it's so important to respect our communities our indigenous communities absolutely yeah but to i I, just because when when i was young um i when i was very young i lived in western australia in a predominantly indigenous community um so there was a lot there was there was so much infused into that conversation when i was a little girl and it's definitely something that i'm uh i'm not as versed in now Something that I really love is that whenever you come over and play music, you're playing songs that I haven't heard since since I was young, like Waltzing Matilda, you know, the, the talking about Swagman and I just, it, it's so refreshing but it's also, I don't think I've met anyone who is as interested in that genre of music as you are.
0: Um, yeah, it's something I... It's not exactly. I grew up with some of these songs when I was a kid too, but I. It's something I probably did shift away from in, in some of the um, latter years of my upbringing and early youth. I think it's something I found again and something I found fascinating. Um, Why? I suppose I. I guess I have um, dreams of nostalgia for the years gone by, past. um
1: are you an old soul <laughs>
0: <laughs> i i think i have an attachment to the days of yore i guess you could say um and uh, long before either of us were here um before electricity before modern technology when it was um i think i think there was there's an element when music may have been more valued in those times because there were um less forms of uh well less forms of entertainment like, like at least definitely in relation to live music um people would just get together and play um or you know travel around and show their skills and crafts and um as opposed to i mean i still do absolutely admire what is going on today with um people doing so much um from home or even you know working entire um compositions through a laptop through digital programming um and but I guess I really I, I wanted to learn from the roots mm. so I I definitely took some big steps into that direction
1: mm. and here now in Queenstown I'm so amazed at the things that you have accomplished here I mean we're talking about you coming from the mainland to end because you wanted to work on uh, making and producing your own album, and now you're in Queenstown and you've just you've gone in so many different directions. Uh, can we talk a little bit about that? About you know what happened when you first came here?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got here and I, I mentioned I think I found myself in quite a wonderful space, so I kept going forward, um, trying to learn. These instruments, and alongside building up a little home studio using all analog technology. Um, I was hoping to do something quite uh, old school, I guess you could say, um, pure to the source um, for all you audio nodes out there.
1: Mm. Um, And what what kind of, what do you mean when you say analog technology?
0: uh, Basically, tape technology and um, analog uh, vintage style equipment or. Actually, um, what some people may say is antique equipment these days, <laughs> but um, something that had no digital interference whatsoever. So it was completely um, a true uh, representation um, of a recording, rather than um, basic uh, digital samples. What we're doing now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> recording onto yeah a digital device. Um, it's there's basically a breakdown in what's going on rather than um, one long continuous run of sound. Um, what this is is thousands of samples. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, it's um, just one of those little things I just really w- was fascinated in, um, in utilising.
1: And that comes down back down to purity and, and true sound for you.
0: Yeah, I think um, I did work in an audio high spice store for a while, and I think the Break man, spirit. yeah, <laughs> the man who um, owned the store um, converted me. It was a purely analog little store. He just sold all these. Um, analog, extremely high-fidelity systems, turntables and preamps and speakers and had all these classic old vinyl albums from before um, the digital age and he would not stock anything from after probably 1990. Wow. Yeah, um, it was quite incredible.
1: Yeah, it it sounds like something that's frozen in time.
0: Yeah, and I did learn a lot about that at university when I – um, was being taught by my lecturers there about um, obviously the differences between what was going in digitally and in the analogue spectrum. Um, and I it's, it's one of those things that can be more difficult but also easier at the same time when you have a source that you're so attached to you want to get it right the first time mm. rather than um, possibly a digital recording and working on it endlessly.
1: Yeah, do you, do you think that maybe you take it a little bit more seriously
0: um yeah maybe i maybe it's it's one of those things it's almost like you can take a beautiful polaroid photo Mm. and it's so quaint and lovely straight from the start and if you might take a digital photo it's something you can endlessly edit Mm. um and or you
1: to... take a Polaroid photo, and it's just shocking. Yeah, well, that... there's nothing you can do about no, it. <laughs> no, no, <laughs>
0: you start you start again. So it's one of those. um Yeah, it's it's just a completely different process.
1: Yeah, it's something that you really have to, um I guess, invest in in more ways than one. Because, you know, we we were talking earlier about how just how expensive these materials can be as well, and how you get from analog to digital. Uh, that's so it's not you you're not just investing your money you're investing a lot of time a lot of energy in a process that is a lot slower so i think yeah i think you have to really believe in what you're doing
0: yeah absolutely um that's yeah probably something um that i found yeah it is time consuming it's something i've wanted to make sure i had the time for and the complete um right mindset i so it's um Something that I've had to put on the back burner now, um, mm-hmm. but something I would like to get um, get a foot in eventually, very soon, hopefully. <laughs> um, but I found myself in a different role at the moment.
1: Yeah, but that that role is such an important one. You know, you. Um, I'll, I'll I'll let you talk about it. Where where have you found yourself now? What what are you working on now?
0: Um, well, I'm teaching at the moment, so I've. A couple of years ago I did get asked um, by a former teacher at the school if I would um, like to come in and teach music. So I you know, I thought it would actually be something really good to do um, and I found myself enjoying it quite a lot. I started off, um, again, in a similar role as my guitar teacher as a tutor but in, mm-hmm. in the case of I was actually um, tutoring group classes of students and um, basically... I found myself then this year starting um, doing my teaching masters, and I'm actually um, a teacher in training, and it's
1: wonderful. Yeah,
0: trying to trying to um, get a music program up and running in the school that hasn't had one in about a decade. So it's um,
1: oh, perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's something I you know I feel passionate about. I feel like I'm strongly doing the right thing here, and I hopefully, and making a positive impact to the community and to the young people here.
1: Well, you're building really important relationships, I feel. Um, I mean, it's not just within the school, but also you worked with uh, Mary Morris on Small Prints, which was, um, I'll let you explain, you worked with her, you know. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yes, so Mary was running an out-of-school arts and crafts program for kids and she wanted it to not just be an arts and crafts program but she really wanted to push that concept of kids can um, really delve into the arts. Mm -hmm. She really wanted to um, inspire them to um, basically feel like they, you know, were worthy of the same appreciation that adult artists would get Mm. um so she asked me if I could come in and start teaching them some music so I um well we we um started pushing the idea of doing some ukulele work Uh, she did I guess really she um bought all these ukuleles for them all um so I would come in and try and teach some ukuleles on a Sunday morning and get them started and you know these are all kids under the age of 10 just um, having a go and strumming and having a laugh and you know I'd ask them to sing songs and we would try and learn some um, basic fundamentals and they hopefully will stick to it and remember How did liked.
1: you How did you feel when you were part of that program and when when you're at the school and you're teaching music but what, what does that feel like for you
0: Um yeah it feels it's really rewarding um I it's not something I envisioned myself doing a long, long time ago. But now that I'm doing it, um, I it's yeah. I, I have no um, no inclination to shift away from it anytime soon.
1: Mm. There are so many other things that you do as well. I'm, uh, my first show here, you uh, which is which is in um, Soggy Broly gallery, this is last year and it's, um, it's a great space but it is a small space and you were able to sort of squeeze in and play these great improvised tracks and it was beautiful, it was such a beautiful atmosphere and then again at um, Missing Tiger Bookstore for another artist's exhibition there. Uh, it, it's amazing because you offer, I, I feel like you offer this quality that is very immersive you're incredibly supportive of the community.
0: Um, thank you. I find um, those opportunities are something that I really only found since I've been here in Queenstown. It's um, something that makes my time here very special. I've been living in, you know, multiple places throughout my life, but not not everywhere, not hundreds, not, not even tens of places. I think I find um, what I... What the town offers me and what I hope I am giving back to the town um, is a fair trade off. <laughs> um, but the opportunities, like um, playing mu- improvised music for gallery openings, um, is really um, something I do really love and love to do. I get to basically add to um, something uh, more more than just um, more than just the aesthetic, more than just um, working um, audio aesthetics through vis- visual representation of the space I'm in and the art that's around me. And the people who are there, I- I'm trying hopefully um, to lift that and often um, find myself in a place of joy, just doing something that I love.
1: Um, and you often play at uh, a this, uh, which is a bar that is open quite infrequently, but when it is, it's always a good time attached to the Q-Bank Gallery.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, the Q-Bar. Um, so the, the local art bar, I guess you could call it. It's a lot of fun. It's was an old bus depot that um, was converted recently into... Um, just a little little bar and um, gathering area where people would come and have some fun and
1: uh, yeah, it almost feels like gathering area is more appropriate than bar. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So such a it really is such an unusual place. It's, to be. It's it's
0: certainly a unique space, but I think it adds to its charm Absolutely. and it's something that I think a lot of us um, rarely get to interact with. Mm. Um, being in um, being in Anywhere in the world because I can't name anywhere in the world like it, but um, getting to be in I guess like a a communal art space where people from all over the um, well all over the world really have mm. have come together and appreciate art and um, have some fun and have a few drinks and a chat and
1: and it does feel so much like a shared space because it's not. You know, it's it's not necessarily staffed. It's I guess staffed by the artists, and it's always the the vibe and the energy there is always different depending on on who's part of the residency that month.
0: Absolutely, um, there's so many different things that have gone on in that time. Um, <laughs> just seeing, um, yeah, I mean those nights where we we're doing um, live drawing or watching an artist basically draw on the wall with permanent text just um, wreaking havoc <laughs> um, <laughs> with um, some very graphic images of um, Australian animals ripping humans apart, <laughs> um, as well as basically all of the local characters around the bar, again, with text, is just going nuts on trying to create art, but it's a space that I adore playing it's 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 no pressure um i enjoy it it's um yeah it's it's
1: yeah where i like to be yeah you know what's interesting to me is that i feel like when you first came to the west coast you were coming here because you wanted to do something independently you wanted to make an album Uh, You wanted to do that off your own back and then, you know, all of a sudden you find yourself dropped into this community that you're an incredibly supportive part of and there's less emphasis on you alone, you independently, and more emphasis on you as a part of the group. Uh, So it is really interesting to see that shift happening i would love to see you spend some more time making personally
0: um yeah it is it's it's amazing um you can feel so so alone um at times in your life but then when you find a community that responds to you like this um it's really quite it's so welcoming um Mm -hmm. and to interact with so many of the people here in town and who have helped me and given me um, roles to fill and um, ways to give back. It's it's been um, yeah. It's sometimes it can be just an absolutely amazing or inspired um, process <laughs> mm-hmm. to to um, to swallow. It's it's. I guess that's that's life when you find. Find your feet somewhere, and um,
1: do you feel like you have found your place in the world, at least for the moment?
0: I yeah, I feel like I definitely could find a home here, but I'm not sure about my calling. <laughs> I mm. um, I could find myself, hopefully, um, find myself anywhere in the world, and hopefully, I, I would love to get the same welcome as I've gotten here. I don't think I'm quite ready to stay still.
1: Mm. Yeah, I can understand that. One thing, one story that I'd love for you to tell before we wrap up is that wonderful moment you had when you were in Vietnam. Do you know the one?
0: Um, Yeah, you've asked me about this before. I I guess it it was only a very brief um, time and it was only...
1: I just love. I just love this story.
0: I I found myself in um, a small village south of um, Ho Chi Minh. It's yeah. It was it was really it was absolutely lovely. Completely traditional little village, and I ended up finding these musicians who were all quite elderly gentlemen, mm. all playing traditional Vietnamese instruments. Um, however, one of the instruments that they played. Um, it was basically an acoustic guitar that um, they basically what they do is they scallop out the frets on the guitar's neck rather than being spaced by wires on a regular guitar. They would put divots in the neck um, in the fretboard.
1: That sounds beautiful aesthetically.
0: Yeah, it, it was, and it's um, it's – Quite similar to a lot of traditional um, instruments from from that part of the world, um, where the the lute instruments um, would instead of being spaced, the notes being spaced by frets, um, that would be spaced by these scallops or these mm. um, cuts or divots in in the neck, um, and basically it gives this. Um, Lovely uh, quality to the noise where vibrato is so easy, and you can hear those wonderful uh, notes that are easily easily the pitch is raised and lowered, and um, in such a short time, um, and it gives this lovely, I guess, um, if you described it, um, a, a transdescent effect um, that. Uh, it's it's so common in a lot of East Asian music, mm. um, and and they've adapted that to the guitar, and it's become quite a staple instrument now in uh, folk ensembles oh, in really? Vietnam. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Since I guess um, uh, I get the acoustic guitar made its way to Vietnam probably in the last hundred years or at least found its popularity there, and. Local adaptations have brought in this new system, um, which uh, basically are more more or less similar to their traditional lute instruments. Um, And anyway, the point is, I did get to actually pick up this guitar and have a play with it with some of these other um, fantastic musicians, and they, um, yeah, we all had a a little bit of a play together, and I got to actually. be a part of that world, and mm. yeah, which I really loved, and ended up taking uh, well, buying one of these instruments um, from a local music shop, which is uh, a, basically a fiddle instrument it's called a dun um, literally mean translates to two strings, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, so two string fiddle, um, but it's it's a lovely instrument which I, I have um, definitely got a long way to go before I master it, but it's um, it's, it's something I'd like to definitely um, dig my feet into a bit more.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that there's something really special about being in a place and meeting people. Maybe it's something that's really special about music or, or maybe it's art. It just cuts through all differences. And you can be in a moment with someone and really experience that moment without having to talk about anything
0: yeah um yeah but there was no um communication there i did not speak viet and they did not speak english um so it was simply sitting around with our instruments and trying to find um some connection there
1: yeah oh and you recently added a new instrument to your collection this beautiful piano
0: oh yes um So, at the start of this year, I managed to find online an old uh, Beale piano. Um, So, Beale is an Australian brand. Um, Well, it was an Australian brand Um, for a while. It actually was um, initially the inventor was German. He moved, his name was Octavius Beale. Um he created these fantastic pianos um, and basically they were really loud <laughs> <laughs> um, he ended up moving to Australia and um, created the Beale brand and they're quite um, they're quite a staple in the Australian instrument repertoire um, company base um, and basically this this piano I've got i did my research and looked at the serial numbers and um you know had to after seeing the date i had to have a good think about it and um i believe it is from somewhere between 1893 and
1: 1902 Oh, incredible
0: yeah and it's um feels absolutely amazing to have um something that i guess i would call a piece of australian musical history in my house
1: Oh, that's brilliant We need to finish up. I guess the question I ask everyone at the end is, where can people find you in your work? I think that the answer at the moment is that they'll have to come and meet you in Queenstown.
0: Yeah, at the moment, um, I have yet to put anything up online um, exactly. So I'd say it's either a waiting game or um come come to queenstown and hopefully uh, on the odd occasion i might be out playing some music somewhere
1: yeah or otherwise alex will be happy to host you at his home for games night
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for doing this with me
0: no not a problem emily it was my pleasure
1: this was local the podcast is produced by carter pierce and myself Digital Media is produced by Tess Gilfeder. Our artwork was made by Gigi Gords. The podcast is funded in part by the Regional Arts Fund and the Unconformity Festival.
0: Um, yeah, it is it's it's amazing. Um
1: For more information on the podcast and its guests, please go to localthepodcast.com or local the podcast on Facebook and Instagram.